Today's gospel lesson comes from Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verses 1 through 14. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The word of the Lord. You know, I must admit that the last few weeks of lectionary readings have pulled and pressed me in more ways than one. Frankly, let's be honest, they've been pretty harsh. In the last several readings, we have heard Jesus giving parables filled with twists, turns, mistreatments, and killings. And honestly, at a time such as these times that we're living in, I would have preferred to read and preach lectionary messages centered on love, peace, and unity. However, I'm aware that God has a way of still bringing us to a hopeful place in thinking, even through hard biblical texts such as the parables that we have been reading lately. It is here where I'm also pressed to remember some of the sage advice from one of my favorite seminary professors, Dr. Randall Bailey who was the department chair of biblical studies at the ITC in Atlanta, he said, we must dare ourselves to wrestle with biblical texts, read them in context, and apply, here's this big, big seminary word, apply our hermeneutical lens to them to understand what God is saying to us, to our churches, to our communities, and our broader world. And I took his advice to mean sometimes we may have to look closer at biblical texts to find the silver lining in them 
even if it reads harshly. And as we look at the context of this particular Matthew text, we must read it in context. For example, this parable of Jesus follows a series of discourse or, or, or a series of discussions or conversations that he is having with the chief priest and the elders. Also, it's important to understand that this is a tense time for Jesus, not only because he is being bombarded and questioned by the elders, but also he is drawing closer to his crucifixion. In fact, this is a rather odd place for the selectionary reading in our liturgical calendar. It probably would fit better in the Easter season, which would help us understand why Jesus was becoming harsher in his sayings. Perhaps at this time of this parable, he is feeling a bit more anxious about his sacrifice, or perhaps He is becoming weary of the fact that these elders and some of his followers are are not heeding his examples or his teaching. To be honest, I felt like this parable started out pretty good. Who doesn't get excited about a talk or, or get excited about a party? Everybody gets excited when you're talking about a party, right? In fact, as we gauge the beginning of this text, this was not just another community party. This was a banquet feast hosted by the king for his son. Historically, during this time, a party hosted by a king, especially for his son, was a big deal. The text states that the king went all out by having his oxen and his fatted calves prepared for this event. The text also tells us that the king sent out his servants to invite the land and business owners from the region to come to this feast. Again, this wasn't some ordinary banquet feast. This was a big deal. Yet, Some of these initial guests denied the king's invitation, while others went so far as to mistreat and kill the king's servant. Now, for me, this is where the parable takes a very hard turn. Or or better yet, this is one of those moments when I said, say what? What's going on in this, this text? And, and it left me to ask two questions. First, why would the invited guests deny the king's invitation? Secondly, why would some of these people go as far as to kill the king's servant as an ultimate sign of disrespect? Yet, After the king got revenge on the murderers, apparently he still wanted to honor his son. Therefore, he extended his invitation to everyone, which we can assume everyone meant meant the least and unlikely from the community. In fact, the text said that he told the servants, so the servants went out and they invited both the bad 
then the good. And this is the part of the story that got me excited. Because as I have stated in the past, I am a cheerleader for common people that honor and regard given opportunities in life. In fact, I liken the king's actions in this text to be similar to the way God invites us to be a part of God's presence. Sure, God can limit God's invitation to just elites, dignitaries, and the who's who among the who's in our community. Yet, in all of God's grace, God invites us to his table and invites us to his presence through his son, Jesus. However, I believe we either forfeit his invitation at times or we take the honor for granted. And we can see this tension of not honoring God in this text. And as we further listen to to Jesus' parable uh, uh, in this text, we finally get to the part where the king notices a guest not wearing the proper wedding garment. We can assume that guests of wedding banquets during this time were expected to wear certain clothing, which reminds me of an experience in college when I was attending the University of South Carolina, the University of South Carolina, the home of the Gamecocks, of course, I was personally invited to one of the biggest social gatherings in Columbia. And what made this invitation so special was the fact that I was probably the least significant person of of status in comparison to some of the other guests invited to that gathering. It was a gathering of political elites, socialites, and some of Columbia's finest cities. Yes, you can say that I was excited. However, I was also nervous. In fact, I remember how anxious I I, I was about making a lasting impression on the who's who among the who's in the community. I wanted to feel accepted. I wanted to captivate the other guests, and I wanted to honor the host by putting my best self forward. And also, I remember something that my grandmother told me a long time ago. She said, any time that you're invited to go somewhere, make sure that you always look your best. In fact, she said, make sure you put on your Sunday best. And I remember carefully shopping for the best tuxedo to wear to this event. Although I was a broke and struggling college student with rent, with car insurance, because my mother refused to pay it because I was always speeding. (laughs) And I had other bills that I had to, to take care of. But again, I wanted to put my best self forward. Simply put, I needed to get this right at all costs. 
and I want it to fit in. And however, my friend, I believe that some of us don't think that way. I believe we take God's gracious invitation for granted by not showing God reverence. By not being faithful to our callings and not living, living lives that are filled with righteousness. And although in this text we, we don't know exactly what the garment and what the big deal was about the garment other than the fact that it was a wedding, but it was a big deal. I even rustled to the point that, that it wasn't so much the invited guest's fault, perhaps because the king did say go out and invite whoever, and the, the servants did invite the good and bad. So it was apparent, or, or, or perhaps it was plausible, that it was okay for the guests to wear whatever. However, I liken the garment to reverence. The way that we're supposed to honor and the way that we're supposed to be faithful to God's presence. I think oftentimes we don't put on the right garments when we worship, not just in the the place, a a, a church house, but at all places. I I believe that we miss donning or fitting ourselves with the right garment because we lack. That commitment. Because we don't take our relationship with God or God's gracious invitation to heart. I also believe that this garment represents our commitment to God through Jesus. Similar to that guest, the chief priest, and the elders in Jesus' time. We also disrespect God whenever we do not put our very best effort forth in life. And I agree with Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, The Cause of Discipleship, where he argues, and I say this in paraphrase, we want forgiveness without repentance. We want to be a part of the body of Christ without baptism. We, are, we want all the great things of church without church discipline. And he further argues that costly grace is the sanctuary of God. And when we do not honor and revere God in that sense, we make God's grace cheap. My friends, we are called to fit our minds, hearts, and our lives to God through faithful and righteous living. We are called to fit ourselves to be and become better stewards of God's grace, gifts, and talents. We are called to fit ourselves for the presence of God and reverence God at all times, whether we're in the church or we're outside of the church. And here is the good news, my friends. We are not alone in our journey of fitting ourselves for the King. God is with us through God's Holy Spirit. Therefore, in closing, let us ask ourselves, are we fit for the King? 
in the way that we are allowing ourselves to draw closer to God? Are we fit for the king in the way that we extend God's grace to others? And are we fit for the king in our commitment in mind, body, and soul? I hope that we can answer those questions in the affirmative with the help of the Spirit. Are you fit for the king?